Nation. That's right, folks. It's time for another episode of the Be Easy Podcast. This week, we chat with my good friend, Chad. Chad is a writer, director, producer, and is even known to make a fun cameo. He has several shorts out there, including his latest, Simple Things. Log on to Netflix and check out Chad's feature, Natural Selection. Grab your popcorn. You're going to enjoy this show. Welcome to the Be Easy Podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Carl and Abby O'Brien and Brendan Schuff. So sit back, relax, and be easy. Uh, but Schuff was saying high school too, we were talking like, you know, where you would get started in kind of this industry. And I said, well, you know, to me, it made me think of, you know, high school, what movies are you watching? What movies do you like? You know, that kind of, to me, like spills you out into wanting to like create or make film. And I know Chef said too, I was laughing, like getting started at like the TV crew, like AV club. Cause yeah, I used to love, I used to love getting called and like to do sub segments, like on the morning news. Like I wasn't like always in the thing, but they'd be like, Oh, do you want to come do this like announcement? Like we're doing this, and I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I want to get in!" Right. Uh, Shuff and me were like reminiscing about like being in the room, like getting the cameras, like the whole deal. Shout out, Miss Clean. Does, does Does he know about uh, Patty Spleen? Oh, yeah. Shout out, Miss Spleen. <laughs> yeah, Miss Spleen, you've your Shuff speaks very highly of you, and he, you know, I've Damn. seen Shuff do his thing um, with a video camera, and I think it's all from you. So uh-huh. again, thanks. Thanks, Spleen Dog. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, the, the, whole, the whole video production, because there was like the video production classes and then there was the, the morning announcement class, you know? Yeah. Okay. So if you're, usually if you're in one, you're in the other two. Yeah. So it was interesting because like you mentioned, you, you put together segments for the, for the morning announcements or, you, you know, you'd be given a, a chore in the class in charge of the switcher, the volumes, changing the camera angles, and then sometimes you might have gotten, were you ever at an anchor Chuff, because uh, no, I, I, I never had to go on on air. Okay, yeah, that was like a coveted spot in my school. It was like you to had be to be anchor. like to to be the anchor or the host. It's like if you were on camera, most of them were either like guys that were like football players or like cheerleaders, and then we had like two or three that were like just the TV kids, and they were like the real anchors. Yeah, I, I didn't have a desire to. Yeah, I th- I was I was an anchor for a, you know a day here a day there, but I I I I still to this day I don't like to be in front of the camera. Yeah. I mean I, I don't like I, I if if you ever seen any of my stuff I always I like cameos like I'll do a cameo appearance, but I I'm not into being in front of the camera. Yeah, but it was funny though because what was it Kaufman Tim Kaufman? Remember? Yeah, he's a <laughs> hockey player. We're trying to get him on here soon. Yeah, so it's funny because you either would have somebody popular, like a, like you said, a football player or whatever. Right. But normally with us, it was just a couple of the people that were just I don't want to say class clown. That's kind of a middle school term. But right. you know, like like Matt Vigilante. I don't know if you know him, but uh, there was like a group of, of kids or people that were just the funny people, or at least they thought they were funny. Yeah. And um, I remember Tim Kaufman was an anchor, and Spleen and him were just butting heads. <laughs> Oh, it was a consistent time. story uh, of hers to butt heads with students. Yeah, well, because really? also the, the the 
one thing about Patty Spleen, I, I call her Mrs. Spleen. So till this day, like I'm 34 years old, I still call her <laughs> Mrs. Spleen. Because to, to me, like Patty, it's just alien to me. Like she's not Patty, right. she's Mrs. Spleen. And I I remember when I was shooting my feature film in Twin Valley, like in right. the high school that you know I took all the video production class and stuff. I remember still referring because she was in charge of letting us into the building every morning and kind of overseeing with what was going on and whatnot. And I would always refer to her as Mrs. Spleen, Mrs. Spleen. I remember one of my producers came up to me and they're like, Chad, you know, this is a, a your film and we're in a professional environment. You can address her by her her name, like just you can call her Patty Spleen. I'm like, no, but she's not Patty Spleen. Yeah. It's Mrs. Spleen, so I, I don't know. But will you credit Mrs. Spleen though for like your interest in getting into like filmmaking? So w- w- what I'll say is, obviously, when you're when you're young and you're just starting to, especially if you're, if you're just starting to get into your niche or whatever niche, right. whatever you want to say it, nobody likes to be challenged. Nobody likes to be told, well, you know, it was okay, but maybe you can work on this. Well, what are you talking about? Like we as kids are growing up, like we think that all our stuff that we produce is great. It's amazing. Uh, and we don't want to hear any kind of criticism because I feel like it's, it's at an age where you're transitioning to a point in your life where you haven't experienced anything in terms of, say, just in this, just in this uh, example, nobody is, is used to criticism. You know, but your whole life you grow up, like you're not used to constructive criticism. And so we don't know how to, to, to respond to that. So when, when I started doing my stuff in video production class, uh, Patty Spleen, progress here. <laughs> She would always question what I was doing. She would always want to know what was my motivation. You know, you use this cut. Why didn't you use this one? What was your motivation behind the composition of their shots? This and that, blah, blah, blah. And of course, being me, it was just like, what are you talking about? What I did was great. I don't need to hear your opinion. But I feel like people that do constructively criticize your work, it's because maybe they see something in you or because they want you to do better. And, you know, she was an adult. She's been around a lot longer than I have. Right. She has a little bit more experience than I have. She's been in video production longer than I have. So she wants to, you know, apply her knowledge and try to, you know, uh, be, be, be uh, successful in that department as, as being a teacher because that's what she was. Yeah. So I will say that Patty Spleen was the introduction to me wanting to be open to accepting the criticism and wanting to uh, build upon and be better as an artist. And I used to, my mom, cause she, she, she never used to give me A's or B's. <laughs> like I would do all the work. I would go out of my way to do like go above and beyond to do a, the project and, 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 you know, I do it early and this and that, but she always gave me like C's or C pluses. Just tough on me. Yeah. But, uh. but and I think it was because she, she was pushing me, you know, because, right. the, because I, I mean, I've never been a teacher, but if, if you have students that have no interest in wanting to learn or wanting to, uh, you know, uh, move forward and get better at what they do, then you're not going to waste your time to work with them, you know? Right. And so if you don't, if you have students that have no ambition and no motivation to want to get better, then you're not going to, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So it's like, you're going to want to focus on the students that actually have an interest in wanting to, to learn and get better at stuff. Well, you know, she so, had a history of butting heads with people, but we also, oh, no question. we were very fortunate because she did actually care and, and she actually brought the program to our school. Uh, right. I'm pretty sure. I think it started my sophomore year, and she's the one that like petitioned the school to get the program. She was an English teacher. And yeah, 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 yeah. She would run it, and like I didn't like we were talking about it beforehand, and like Abby didn't even have a program like that at her school. You know, Carl did. He was you know from outside the city, but like Abby didn't have the, that opportunity to get the experience or just get opened up to the possibility of being in that right. in middle in high school. You know, so 
as, as tough as she was, she did care and, and she helped a lot of people. I mean, uh, yourself, uh, you know, it brought, it got me to college. To I was going to say, what about you, Shuff? I think yeah. now we'll flip it. And I feel like Shuff's <laughs> coming out saying like, yo, Miss Spleen, I love you. Thanks for getting uh, me. Fun fact, I actually ended up at her school at her house once working on a project with Rob Lowry, which was really weird <laughs> to think back at it. How she had a bunch of us seniors over her house in Exeter, but she was dedicated to it, you know. And I mean, uh, David Rosenbaum, I think his name, he owns the yeah, right, yeah. Uh, we had a we had his uh his business development uh guy on. Remember uh your friend Abby? Ed. Ed. Oh, right, Ed. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, Pat, he went to our school. Um, there's right. you know, a bunch of people. I would, Rob, Rob Lowry, I feel like, who uh, works dude, in I, uh, yeah. music in the, t- in the film and TV. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, so. That is kind of wild. There's a lot of people we're connected to that, I guess, started their, like, video interest at your school. Which is kind of wild. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. So, Chad, this was, like, your introduction to video overall? I would say, when people ask me that question, I would say that, the, the video production classes I took in high school were the was when I decided that this is uh, this this is the direction I wanted to go in terms of uh, expressing myself as an artist because cool. when I was younger I used to skateboard a lot yeah. and I don't want to sound cliche but I was interested in picking up my parents' video camera and putting together little goofy little skits with yeah. my friends oh, cool. about you know we're we're six years old but we're robbing a bank but it's really like the bolt sizzle real with my closet <laughs> in my house you know stuff like that so and then I got into skateboarding and I, I used to really enjoy putting together skate videos and adding the music and working with cutting cutting the shots and editing and then when I got to video production class I got more into where I started really getting to actually getting back to telling narratives and really starting to think about how to compose my shots why did I do that? Uh, the, the choice of stuff within the frame of the shot. Why did I use that cut? Because a lot of times when you're, when you're getting into it, people like to film stuff and you, you ask people like, oh, why, why did you use that shot or why did you do that? And they'll say, well, look cool. Yeah. And we can talk about this later if you want to, but just real quick side note, the one, the one takeaway I had from college, I went to the University of Arts in Philadelphia, was that there's a lot of, there's a lot of film schools that you, you don't need to go to school to do film. Yeah. I think we all know that. Uh, but the difference between you know, the, the university arts in Philadelphia that I really respect as opposed to say full sale out of uh, right. Florida I've been or seeing that the Los Tom Angeles Films, Film Institute or whatever, mm-hmm. like those, those, those universities or, or, or whatnot, those programs, they tell you, they, they teach you how to use the, the, the top of the line cameras, you know, all the biggest gear. Uh, they, they, they basically teach you how to make a Michael Bay movie which is right. all visual. I mean, don't get me wrong. Michael Bay, he has some films that he's, he does a very good job of telling, telling stories and stuff like that. But so let's use like maybe Zack Schneider, you know, Super, Batman versus Superman and Justice right. League. I mean, the story is so incoherent, but there's beautiful imagery and there's beautiful right. shots. Like the one thing about the university arts that I can really uh, respect is that we didn't have good gear. We had outdated gear. And if you're, you were lucky, if you were able to even rent it from the, the rental uh, house inside the school, a lot of the stuff that I, I filmed, I actually was in my own equipment that I bought because I, like, I needed a better camera than what the school had. But the thing that I really, my, one of my major takeaways from the university arts was that they taught you, you know, what, what you've put in front of the camera and how to tell a story from what you, how you frame a shot, what camera movement you use and what's inside the frame, because that's what film is. You look at the, the shot and you say, what does this mean? What is that object in the frame? What does that tell about the story? What does that tell about the character? And nothing is there just because it looks cool. It has a purpose. And you, you, the University Arts really taught me that. And, and, and uh, Patty uh, started, like she was the beginning of it all in terms of looking more into 
you know, why did you compose the shot like that? Well, it looked cool. Yeah. You know, I had it tilted at an angle. Okay, I know you did like a Dutch angle shot, but wh why did you choose that shot? Did you choose it because you're trying to get this effect or did it because it looked cool? And so she started getting me to think about these things. And then that's when I started to kind of really get the ball rolling in terms of, okay, well, now I'm going to take this kind of to the next level and yeah. see where I can go with it. And I got point. really into it. So that's kind of, I, I can, I can owe that to her that she was <laughs> the beginning of starting to challenge me to uh, push me in a direction to, 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 you know, uh, explore more into why you're shooting it a certain way and why you're filming it a certain way and why you're doing, telling this kind of a story. So, yeah, no, I think I, Powerful. you know, yeah, I, I think it's, it's uh, one of the kind of artistic ways to do it that, is almost like so open of what you can and cannot do and like what you're able to do, you know, angles, cuts, all that stuff that like it doesn't stand still and it's constantly fluid. So I feel like it's hard to slow down to think like, oh, well, why is that there? Why am I putting that there? And it's like someone has to kind of get your brain to work like that. Even with like, I mean, so did you, were you also scripting? I know when some people write, you know, doing their first projects, writing the first things, they're usually doing a lot of hats. Like, were you screenwriting or screenplay writing prior to like your first movie, or is that something that came after you started filming? Film, Carl. Film. <laughs> uh, well, no, great question. This is this is cool. This is nice because I can actually start going back and thinking about yeah. a, a, a part of a time in my life where I kind of I didn't forget about, but I haven't really had any reason to go back and actually process why I made That's certain why we're decisions. Here. Why, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So awesome question. I would say that when, when I first started out, I was almost all visual. I was most of my first little short films. I'm talking like three to four minute things. I would pick a song, usually classical music. And it usually was depressing because if there's, I mean, I know we're just kind of all meeting besides uh, Shuff tonight, but when I was in high school, I was really dark. Like all my stuff was really heavy handed, like like dark, emo or like e like emo, like emo, but even it went even deeper, like darker than that. Yeah, except okay. for Michael Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I had like yeah, I had little moments where I, I had a little opt optimism and I was a little bit more positive. But even Mr. <laughs> even even I'm gonna call her Patty. Patty, even, I like Patty. Even Patty, she still tells me to this day because I, I still am, uh, stay in touch with her. We're really good friends. But she still tells me to this day. She's like, Chad, when you were in in my class, I was really concerned about you. Yeah, she, yeah. she literally was because I, I'm like the one video I made it was um it was the I used the Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven okay and I did a black and white film and it was me I was the star in it and it basically was a, a, a like a four or five minute movie of me going through this journey and at the end of it I jump off a roof and I, I die right <laughs> if I can find it I, I'll, I'll try to it's obviously on VHS I'll have to transfer it over but uh Not on your Vimeo I'll have to upload it if I can find it <laughs> but to go back to answer your, your original question, I used to always just, I always was just interested in, in the beginning in visuals, how to tell a story without dialogue and just sticking to uh, what's happening within the frame. And so I would usually just pick a musical piece and it would, you know, I'd, I'd figure out a story I wanted to do or whatever. And then I just usually just edit my shots to the music. So uh, when I first started out, that's all I was really interested in was just the visuals directing I guess you could say and I never considered myself a screenwriter ever but uh, just to kind of summarize my journey from between high school and where I am now I think the more and more stuff you do yourself 
the more and more you, you, you attempt to do something, the more and more you, I feel like you like doing it. And then you, you, you start seeing things about yourself or finding things out about yourself that you never thought you could do before. Cause I always used to be like, I'm not a screenwriter. I can't write, I'm not going to write anything. And then the more and more I would write stuff, the more and more I would enjoy it and do it more often. But nowadays I, I, I love to write my own stuff as long as it's within my, my wheelhouse. You know, if okay. someone came to me and said, hey, write me a story about a guy who ba- builds a spaceship and goes into outer space and they go through a wormhole and all that stuff. Like, that's a little bit out of my element. Or you like know? the quarterback. Who, who, yeah, uh, or like, write me a movie, a baseball movie or, or a yeah. football movie about a guy. Like, I don't know anything about that stuff. Yeah. So the number one rule or the one thing that uh, a big takeaway I had from my screenwriting teacher in college was he said that one of the first things he ever said to the class to me was, if you're writing, write what you know. And I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Like yep. write what you know. And there's nothing more accurate than that. Cause it's, you know, if, if you're writing what you know, then it almost comes out naturally and it almost doesn't feel like you have to try to try to do it. So I do enjoy writing a lot now. If I feel like I'm, I'm outside of my element in terms of if I, there's a specific story I want to tell, then I might reach out and find a screenwriter that might have a better, better handle on it. But um, just to circle back to the beginning of your question, I started out visual and then the older I got and the more I tried to write and the more I wrote my own stuff, the more I enjoyed it. And I, I, I do like both of them. Uh, right. Like both processes. Yeah. are. Yeah, I, I really do. And I'm also I also love editing. Yeah, I was going to say really? about editing. I love editing. I've edited That's like my- an, an art in itself. It's almost like its own thing. It, you know, yeah. Right. Because uh, I feel like Abby uh, loves uh, editing. Yeah, because the world the world of post production is insane. I am a graphic designer and had to you know in corporate America in the last couple of years shift a lot of my skill set to not just be web and and cool stuff, but to video and to animation and to learn Adobe Premiere and After Effects. And it's I, I I'm always looking at the software like shit. People in Hollywood are using this to make right. insane movies and graphics and trailers, and it's absolutely fascinating. The people that have a grasp in After Effects and can like make you know, a logo spin around and bring it to life. Like that shit takes me You out. don't realize how crazy it actually is. Like, like not being like firsthand around it. And then her like bringing it home and us like looking at it and trying to, she's like, no, I can't just make the fucking thing do that. Like yeah. it takes like, it takes me, it takes her, you know, Oh, if you want it to spin, it takes her like 12 hours to figure out, you know, right. read Let's- it. Not that long, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and- and I'm, sure I'm a newbie. She- that's why I'm a very <laughs> beginner. You know, like- I can edit to get by for sure, but right. what people do in the industry is seriously amazing. Yeah, right. It's it's interesting because in a lot of uh, areas of film editing, sound design, cinematography, you you go you you do so much work to make it look like you didn't do anything. Right. Like when you watch a movie that's really well edited, you don't notice any of the editing because it's it's how it needs to be. Exactly. Like you don't know all the work that went into making sure all the cuts were the right length and that you, you, you held on the right shot for the right you know, amount of beats and that you didn't have like an awkward jarring cut that kind of pulls you out of it. Like, oh, what was that? Because I'm sure we all see movies where like a cut happens and you're like, that was kind of yeah. bizarre. Yeah. And the same thing with cinematography. Like you, you, you work so hard and you spend all this time to get the shot look like there is no lighting. I mean, there is lighting in the shot, but it, but you can't tell that it's coming from a light off camera right. or something. It just looks so natural. So you, you, you try so hard. And the same thing with, with, with directing and telling a story. Like when you watch a movie and you feel all the emotions from, the, from, from all the shots, and if the camera does this or someone says a serious line as the camera like moves in to a close-up shot of your eye and you feel that in your, in your, in your gut, and you're like, whoa. So 
when that when that all comes across successfully as you as an artist watching or an audience member watching that then you, like everyone did their job like really well so it's got to be crazy like have you ever sat in on like a screening to hear and like see the gasps or right. looks or laughs or from any movies you've you've done uh yeah i mean it's always an interesting experience to to show your work to people and and that's another thing that i felt like uh patty it started introduced me into being open to constructive criticism and not not uh, shutting it out and not and not def- being so defensive over it because yeah. there's a difference between people talking crap on your work and, or then then there is when people are just asking constructive questions because they either a want to help you or as an artist you're so blind to your own work because when you write a story or you shoot something it makes sense to you because it's in your head yeah and then but when you when you show it to, like that's another thing somebody in screenwriting class, my, my screenwriter teacher used to say, you have to write this movie so clear and so articulate or the script so clear that if you threw it out of the, the window going down the turnpike and Joe Schmo picked it up and started to read it, that they would get it and they would see it how you see it. Well, I mean, the other thing is that you're in it for so long. Like I know just from editing yeah. from, you know, high school and college and like the podcast, like you're looking at it for so long and exactly tuning off every detail that like you're like why don't you get this like yeah. right yeah. how can you not understand <laughs> i love being right the second the second look too like abby will work on something for like four hours and she'll be like come check this out and i'll be like oh what about that she's like abby, yeah, that? Abby. like i didn't even fucking look at that like why right. are you looking at that the yeah. video is about this ah. <laughs> right well yeah. it, it it is but it's all part of the process and another uh, the, the main takeaway i could have from from college aside from learning how to tell a story through what how I'm did you, how did you pick there though to be completely honest it was because i was home, like i didn't want to go too far from home okay i was a, i was a i was afraid to go far out from close to being home so i didn't apply to a lot of colleges i don't even know if i applied to three colleges i think is it UR- tough to get in I, I i remember so i got into acting right at the end of my high school career and i remember feeling the same way like being scared like Number one, I don't want to go that far. And number two, like, um, am I good enough to go? Like, I've only been doing this for a year. I know these kids. Like, I had never done my monologue. Like, my first monologue I learned, like, to audition to get into, like, this community colleges program was, like, I I learned the scene from, like, uh, uh, what's that movie? What's the – I'm blanking on it. What's the movie I love, Bear, with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? Goodwill Hunting. It's one of those scenes. And that was the first monologue I ever memorized. But I remember being so scared, like – I'm never going to be good enough to go like audition at a school like that. So I have to like take it easy first. Did you have to do like audition reels to get in? Uh, the, the, what I remember is I just had a portfolio with a couple of, of my films on VHS. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and I had a tapes? the good old days. Oh, uh, the mini DV. Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> that brings back some yeah post traumatic stress. But uh, <laughs> but then I also had like a a, a portfolio that had a, a lot of my drawings in it because for some odd reason, the first year of the university arts, you had to do, you had to do a, all different kinds of drawing classes, two-dimensional, three-dimensional design classes. And then wow. my, my, the one elective was a video class. So I couldn't actually get into a full-blown video workflow or you know classes until my second year in college, which is kind of strange. But I, I always, I, I love to draw too. So I, I've been drawing my whole life. I don't draw as much anymore, but when I was a kid, I used to just doodle on everything. And so drawing was second nature to me. So I, I just sat down, I, we sat in an office with, I guess, one of the guys that was in charge of going over applicants work and 
this and that. And it was probably like a 30 minute interview. Watch some of my stuff. I don't even think he really watched any of the stuff from start to finish. He just put the tape and let it play, looked at it for a couple seconds and then talked to me again and then glanced back over. And then he went through my drawings and kind of had a, a meeting like, like that went home and I got a letter in the mail. I don't know how long after that, but that was kind of it. But I knew a couple people that, that went at Abby is the process similar for you. Like when, cause I knew you looked at a few. Well, it's really interesting. Cause I, I got into design just by designing my high school yearbook and it was all done on the computer. And I never had respect for drawing and painting and all of that prior. And so going into college, like you said, the first year, they don't have you touch a computer. (laughs) They were like, you need to take figurative drawing where we're going to give you nude people. You need to paint, you need to create, you know, clays. And I barely passed my first year because I just did not really have that skill, but I can see why they kind of put you through those core classes to talk about art and history and techniques. And it really sets up a good foundation. Then once you do kind of get on the computer. Uh, but it was pretty it, funny um, talking about the guy not watching it because when I interned at TV2 Sports, I had to submit oh, a few of my videos, and Carl was my muse in college. Like <laughs> every video I made in, in college, Carl was like one of the main roles. And we did this one where I can't even remember all of it. It is on a mini DV tape in my mom's house, but it, uh, like he just did all this ridiculous shit, like longboarding. But then, like I can't even remember. You but like followed me for the day. I think the car, the day in the like life of Carl. But the guy Al <laughs> DiCarlo, who I found out still working at TV Two Sports. So shout out Al DiCarlo. Al DiCarlo said, "Listen, you're getting the internship. Uh, we all sat around and watched your videos. They were." hilarious <laughs> don't ever show these if you're actually trying to get a job don't ever don't ever show these to anybody never show these again you have to you have That's to get funny. those on on the cloud for us uh, yeah i do need to try to get that. it's funny I mean, that's what we need to do is bring find all their old videos and have them transferred over to mastered yeah i love that. Do has a, a the dvd or do a movie watching night patty probably has a mini dvd dv player i'm sure Uh, somewhere maybe um chad i also wanted to chat about casting like how fun is casting sometimes oh my gosh the craziest people walk through the door and you're like what just happened oh my god when when i was casting my feature film it was it was bizarre i mean it can be difficult too because when you write your own stuff or if you're if it's your movie you you always have an image of something in your head and and that's the way it is in in hollywood too there's you're already kind of checked off the list sometimes when you walk in because it might not be that you're not any good or you could be great but you just don't have to look and and so that that was a a struggle that i had too with the casting was you have a specific image of these people but sometimes you just kind of sometimes you can be surprised and and you you find somebody that actually you never even expected could could play the role. But I, I, you're right. I had some people come in, read some of the lines, and it was it, it got kind of freaky. I remember this one guy came in and he was so into it, which I I you know I applaud him. But it was it was it was scary. Yeah. Uh, because my feature film, there's a character who's the antagonist, and he's kind right. of like a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, Ish. Right. And this guy came in and he was really good, but I'm not sure if you ever experienced or crossed paths with somebody in your life that you don't know what it is, but you just, your stomach turns when they're, when, when you, it's just like a bad feeling Yeah, and you don't know what it is. You can't put your finger on it, but it's just bad energy. And you just want to get away from that person. This one guy came in, he, he great actor, did a phenomenal job, but he was just, there was just something dark about him. And 
the whole room felt it. And everyone and, was just... And it was, he was, he was scary. <laughs> like I said, he was, he was really good. Uh, he read the lines perfectly. He was, he was great, but Joaquin he was, Phoenix does that for me was, in some of his stuff. He was evil. I don't know what it was, but he got up, he read his last line and walked out the door and never came back. Wow. <laughs> he read the line as in, and he like molded it. Like his exit was, he incorporated his exit, his literal exit from the room as part of the scene he was reading. Right, and he, left, and he left and walked out the door, and we all thought he was going to come back and be like, "Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks, for, thanks for inviting me in." This and that. <laughs> like he it was like, like this scene, scene. Yeah. I'm back. Now he slipped on the ground, read his last line, and made his way out the door, closed the door, and that was it. He was gone. That's wow. And, and we all looked. I remember I looked at my producers, and they they had this. Their eyes were all like same as me. And my one my one producer looked at me and goes, "Absolutely not." <laughs> like I said, not yeah. because not because he was bad, yeah. because he was just like it was scary. Yeah. I was scared. I was like, holy shit, that like, guy really is a psychopath. That's yeah. crazy. And then the casting director came up to me afterward and she was like, I, I know what you're feeling. He's really good, but he's he he uh you're I'm glad that you passed on him because he's very difficult on set too to work with. Wow. And if you know anything about uh, the film world, is if you're not easy to work with, you don't. Yeah, they're out. You're out. You don't get hired very often. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then there's people that just had like, yeah, it was an experience. It was interesting. It was uh, fun. I've sat at some tables. Yeah, it was cool. Passing. So yeah. how? So we. I want to go back a minute because I don't know if everyone knows, you know, the feature film and that it's been on a couple of different sites and you can watch it. You know, today. I mean, I literally watched it a couple of days ago for the first time, but. How, how I'd love to hear like the story of how that kind of evolved right? Um, and where like, you know, is it something you've been working on for a really long time? I'm just in meeting you and talking to you already. I'm seeing undertones. I'm seeing <laughs> of you in there. And I don't say it in a mean way, but like there's already things that you said. I'm like, well, I, I could see him doing that or I, I could see him making that choice or yep. doing that. And again, I, I probably overthink it a little more than like the average. No, no, no you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, but people, um, people watch the film and they go, I know you wrote that movie. Well, yeah, if you know watch. Chad and you, yeah, if you know me, you can watch the film and be like, oh, I, I can I can see where a lot of this is coming from. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, we, we shot it in 2014. So it was a while ago. I was still I was young. I was, yeah, I was mean, trying to think was, where were we in two, two, 2014. Yeah. Seven years ago now. Seven years ago. Okay. Oh, crap. Yeah. So, you know, I was, it was one of my, it was my first big project. Uh, learned a lot from it. Obviously as artists, we always look back and we go, oh, I, I could have done that better. I would have done that differently. This and that. But that's just all part of the process of being an artist. Like, if you look back at your work from last year and there's nothing that you would change about it or whatever, then I feel like you're not, you know, you, I mean, that. I'm not saying like you should hate your work from the past, no, but, but, but you, should always be, you should always be learning. You should always be wanting to, to, to be better or to, to get more polished in certain aspects of it. That's and I don't know. And I'll get back to the natural selection in a second, but I don't know if you've seen my short film, simple things, which uh, it, you can watch it right now on its own website, simple things, And that was the most recent thing I did. And really? it's, a, it's a 60 minute, 16 minute short, and the motivation behind that, and we can talk about it later if you want to, but the motivation behind that was that uh, I wanted to make something up to date to show people what I'm, you know, that I've, that I've uh, got better as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, something to, to show people that this is my current work because I am very proud of natural selection and stuff, but I don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be uh, not judged, but you don't want to be, I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, like natural selection, that, that's, that's that the do. movie that I'm going to, I'm going to, 
make my judgment or whatever about how, how I feel about you as a, as a filmmaker or whatever. So uh, that's why I'm, I, I was motivated to make simple things because yeah, I felt brought, like- Brought on your portfolio. Yeah, for <laughs> I wanted sure. Something, I, wanted to, I wanted to update a credential on yeah. my resume and I wanted to show people that I, 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 I've advanced in my, my craft and it's, it's difficult in film because it takes a lot of money. It can take a lot of money to make a movie. It's a collaborative art. So you kind of have to rely on a lot of people. It's not like I can, I'm a painter or a sculptor. I can, whenever I feel inspired, I can just sit in my studio all day and just paint away pretty inexpensive. Yeah, there's a lot of people you know, involved. It's hard to stay active as a filmmaker because you, you want to keep making stuff, but a lot goes into doing it. Yeah. And so I would like to stay more active as a filmmaker and keep, make films like really, you know, put, put them out, but it's just, it's not as easy. If I want to do them a specific way and do them like well to a certain quality, then I can't, I can't be pumping them out like so consistently. I agree. It's but, gotta uh, be tough yeah. to stay bottled up like that a little bit, you know? Yeah, because you know, you make a film or you, you do a project. I'm sure we all can relate to this in our fields. When you, when you complete something that took a lot of time, you kind of just sit back and you go, okay, well, I can kind of take it easy for a little bit and relax because I just did this big thing. But right. then that wears off after a while and then you get the itch again and you, you need to get back at it. Yeah. And you need to stay sharp. And the one thing that I can tell people that are, that are younger, that are trying to get into film or that do film now is you have to stay active. The only way you're going to get better as being, if, especially if you're a director or a storyteller, you have to, you have to stay active and you have to keep doing it because you get better and you get polished and you can look back and say, Oh, I wish I would have done that differently or that would have worked better if we would have done that. And you can't get better. In my opinion, you can't get better as a director if you don't do anything. Right. You can't get better as a director if all you do is watch. I mean, you can watch movies and learn from the masters and that's always good. But at the end of the day, you have to go out and do it. And you can only get so good in advance so far by reading books and watching movies. Like you have to go and do it. Yeah. Because when we, because when we watch movies that are done by great directors, we, we get that. We feel the emotion from the scenes. It all makes sense to us. It's all coherent. The, the stories fall together and we can follow the stories. It's not like it, it's done so well that we, can, we understand the film. But then if someone gives you the money and says, you're the director, you have to tell this story. It, it's really hard to do that. It's gotta you gotta be. choose the, sh the. You gotta get the right shots to get yeah. the emotion. You gotta. What lens are you using? What's the musical choice if you choose any music? It, like, it's it's hard to really tell I mean, a story. Like natural selection. Like, how long was that? I was gonna say how and how did you get that shot? Like, how did it come about? Because it's well done. I mean, it's I, well from a production value. I mean, yeah, it production, looks... yeah, I mean, production wise, we did it. I I I, I was amazed. I mean, we the the amount of stuff that we shot in in the amount of time that we had was pretty pretty crazy because you're supposed to normally shoot five pages of a script a day that's like okay. we were shooting like nine to ten pages it was ridiculous oh, wow. and the set in the i mean like like i said hindsight's 2020 and you live and you learn but, but i actually cut out so much footage from that movie that looking back at it it was like we could have cut off four days or five days from the shoot wow I, I took all the, i cut all that stuff out yeah could have saved so much time know. so much money uh, but you know, it's a learning process and, and that's the thing too, is you, you don't, sometimes you don't know that you might not need it, yeah. especially right. when it comes to editing, you shoot stuff. It's always good to shoot stuff, yeah. more stuff than you might need. But sometimes you get to the editing room and you, you look at the, the cut and you go, you know what? We don't need this shot or we don't need this scene. It works without it. And like Jeff briefly mentioned before, you, when you're so immersed in something for so long, yeah. it's hard to like, to see it from the outside without being biased or being attached to it because if I was there on set and it took us 30, uh, two hours to get a dolly shot, and then I get to the editing room and the editor goes, we need, that shot doesn't do anything, we can cut it. And then you feel 
stressed out and depressed because you think you remember how long it took you to get the shot and you want to keep it in there. But that's why you need to kind of either remove yourself a little bit from it or get somebody that doesn't have so much of an attachment to it because they got to be able to make those decisions. Cut it out. We don't need it. Tighten, tighten time and, um, and get the thing moving. So, but uh, to, to, to go back to your original question, it took us, we shot in 18 days. We could have shot it shorter for sure. Wow. I told you we cut out so much and uh, I wanted to shoot it in the winter because I wanted the, the dead, the dead desolateness and the, the coldness and the, the frost and the, the lifeless trees and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when, when you're not a big Hollywood production company and you can't call the shots and say, well, we're not shooting until the fall. Like you kind of at the mercy to everybody else's schedule. So like actors, we got a right. certain amount of actors and they were only available in this amount of time. So you I got to of- know how that happened though, too. I mean, <clears throat> it, it, it's, that's a pretty decent cast for, for that run. I mean, maybe they're a little bit more named now than they were then and not saying that in a mean way, but. No, I mean, uh, the, the the girl, Kat McNamara. Yeah, she she's she's doing really really well. She's on a bunch of uh, like what are those? She's on the CW now. Yeah, she's I was gonna say Arrow CW. Show, yep. the, Arrow, the Arrow spinoff show with the, the female uh, yeah, the, uh, characters or something yep. like that. Yeah, where where did you guys about. film? We where filmed, was it filmed? We filmed right around where I lived back in Pennsylvania, so uh, Chester yeah. County. Oh, it was done here. Got it. It, yeah. it feels place. so much like Pennsylvania. Like the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, that's PA. And then I was saying to Shuff earlier, I was like, the Utz chips, the Turkey Hill iced tea. Yeah, I was yeah, like, right. yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. we're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So was a lot of the field. talent local then? Or did you bring in casting from uh, New York the, and the, East Coast? The lead, the lead cast was from L.A. And then supporting roles or smaller roles, day players, they mostly came from New York. I think a couple came yeah. from Philly. Anybody uh, from your school or no? My... My friend from college actually was the cinematographer. So Brandon, oh, okay. Brandon cool. Ripley was the guy that filmed. He films all my stuff. So if okay. you watch my short film, Simple Things, he shot that too. Cool. But I went to college with him, so he was the cinematographer. And then I had some special effects stuff. And uh, the, my roommate from college, he does a lot of special effects out of New York. He, he was on it, but the, the main cast was from L.A. Anthony and Michael Hall was kind of a random thing. My, the, my, 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 uh, my attorney, my production attorney, who was in t- charge of all the contracts and whatnot, he, I, th- I think it was his idea. His name is Scott Aronson, and he, was, he, he brought up the idea. He said, hey, I know uh, I could probably get the script in front of Anthony Michael Hall. And at the time, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I, rem- I knew him at the time. Yeah. And, but I wasn't like, Anthony Michael Hall, what? You know? Well, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, the, those films, you know, they were... Yeah, but he's but had he's a couple like, resurgences though too. He's, yeah. you know, hey, on we can do a whole different stuff. podcast on Mike. Yeah, on Mike. I was gonna I mean, say that. He, yeah, he's a character. Uh, we're really good friends, but that's that's yeah, that's that's. But wild to have him in your first feature, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So think of, like when somebody looks him up on IMDb, like your fucking, you know, your movies next to like Sweet <laughs> Sixteen, like all you know, all the or Pretty in Pink, like all the classic movies. Yeah, so it was really random. My my uh, production attorney, he just sent him the script randomly, I think. And then it was weird because within a day, my, the Scott, my attorney, calls me up and he goes, "Hey, Mike wants to talk to you." And I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> he goes, "Because he goes, yeah, Mike. Mike usually doesn't work with first time directors, but he wants to. He wants to have a conversation with you and, and get a get a feel for where you're where you're, like where you're coming from and you know see how you, see who you are and all this kind of stuff." So wow. that was kind of nerve wracking because he said, "Yeah, he's going to call you." They said, "Call this number at this time." So uh, that was yeah, kind of stressful, but that conversation went really well, and he jumped on it immediately after that. Wow! And then Mason Die, who's the the main character who plays Tyler in the film, 
he sent in a, a, a video audition from LA early on in the process with my casting director. And we watched it. I really liked it. And then we had a couple days of casting in New York. And then after the second, midway through the second day of casting, nobody was really co- like, you know, knocking my socks off. Right. So I just looked over. I told Car- Caroline Sinclair was the casting director. I said, just make that guy an offer, Mason. Cause he was, he yeah. did a really good job of this and that. So that's how we got him. And then Kat was sending a video audition too. And then Kat and Mason were actually friends. Oh, wow. So they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Kat might like to come out and do the role. And then, you know, Mason and her could hang out, uh, you know, after hours. They could be like a little family event, not family, you know, like a friend event, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, whatever. Get her too. That's cool. <laughs> and, and then she ended up blowing up and getting really popular and whatnot. Yeah. And then, interesting, the guy, uh, Ryan Munzer, who played Indrid, the, mm-hmm. the antagonist in the film, Love the name, too. I, I need to know a little about Don't ask me where I came from. <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know, it's like, yeah, I don't want to give you a disappointing. No, it's okay. It's kind of like, like when you have a favorite song, and it means right. so much to you, and then you read about what it really meant and how it came about, and sometimes it doesn't live up to what you thought it was. Yeah, it's like, I, it's like, oh, I, I read this on somebody's I, I read so much it. into this song, and it's just literally a song they wrote when they were high staring at the wall, you know? <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that to you, but... Uh, don't ruin it. <laughs> but but we had a we had a guy booked uh about a week and a half out and then he went dark he went silent and we didn't hear from wow. him we literally we're shooting in three days wow and the the um casting director came back and said he bailed wow so we're like three days out and i don't have the in my opinion right the most important character to me we don't have him absolutely I, I almost had a nervous breakdown. I remember where I was. I, I think I had a mini nervous breakdown. But this is this is how things. This is one of those sto- things about how things work out for, for for the better out of bizarre and stressful times. So I remember it was two days out, and my casting director, and my producers were sc- scrambling to find people, and there's nobody that wanted that said yes. Nobody. They read the script. They were like, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to do it. Blah, blah blah. And there was nobody biting. Two days out. I'm literally contemplating if I had to step up and do the role. I mean, I'm panicking. And, <laughs> you and then would have been okay in it, though. I think. Yeah, I might. I might have. Yeah, but I, but but I was like, I, I, it was it was really stressful. And so my manager calls me. This is literally two days from shooting, and it's it's about 11 p.m. at night. And she goes, Chad, I found this guy. I'm staring. I'm literally staring at the wall in my room. She goes, I found this guy. We don't really have an updated photo of him. And he only has a reel that has two or three quick, like, scenes. And scenes, I mean, like, 90 seconds total. And she's like, I'm going to send it to you, and then you can call me back. So I looked at it, literally had this headshot, couple couple scenes that, like I said, it was about a minute and a half long. And and I call her back, and she goes, Chad, what do you think? And I said, I don't don't know. I mean, we don't really have anything to to go off of. And she goes, Chad, I'm going to be honest with you. You don't really have a choice. <laughs> no, I was like, either you, 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 you jump on this guy or you, um, or you, you, do you do the role or something like that? Right. Right. So I, I told her, I said, give me 15 minutes. I got th- And I stare at the wall for 15 minutes, called her back. And I said, okay, do it. Call him, give him an offer or whatever. He killed him. Didn't, didn't get, didn't see him until literally the, the, the first day that we had to do a scene. I remember we were wrapping up a scene somewhere in the wow. school and my producer comes up to me. She goes, she goes, okay, Ryan just got here and he wants to, you know, obviously we have a lunch break. So why don't you go sit down with him or whatever? And I remember just walking down the hall being like, I don't even know what I'm going to like. 
you know, because a, a lot of times you see headshots of people and they're two years old and then you right. see and they're like 50 pounds heavier. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so you really yeah. don't know. Yeah. Hair, they shave, whatever. Yeah. 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 Their headshots yeah. are totally photoshopped. Yeah. So <laughs> how much of it did he look like? How much did he look like his headshot? Well, his headshot was very clean. Okay. Like he was like pretty, like pretty boy, short hair, clean shaven. And then I remember, I remember it clear as day. I remember walking down the hall, my head down on the ground, just stressing out, you know, here we go. This is the moment. And I look up and he's standing in the hallway looking at me and I'm like, that's him. That's you know? the guy. That's the it's guy. A, I, I don't think I could. And he was kind yeah. of scuffed up and I'm like, that's, 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 that, that's like son of a bitch. That's him. You know, I don't think I could think of it as anybody else now. Right? I mean, like he's the dude. Any anybody that watches the film, you know, people can criticize this, they can criticize that, whatever. Almost the most unanimous feedback or comment I get from it was that Ryan Munzer was unbelievable. Yeah. Really good. Um, he really was. Wow. And and I remember it, it, he was a little rough around the edges because he hasn't done a lot. He didn't do a lot of work. He hasn't mm-hmm. been in a lot of stuff. But it was just so interesting because a lot of the real like perfect. Not I don't say he was very professional, but. I would say uh, veteran actors, they show up, they know exactly, they read every line verbatim. They don't mess up anything. The script, they're like the script supervisor's best friend because they don't ever, they do everything the same time, the same way, the same, like every shot, every take, they do right. the same thing. Ryan was like the opposite. Every shot, he used a different hand to touch something. You know, he would brush his hair, the continuity of his hair wouldn't be right. He would always ab lib stuff and not say the lines a certain way. But a lot of the stuff that he ad-libbed actually ended up in the movie and made the scenes. Like, I don't know if you remember, remember the scene where he walks in and he, like, takes the egg roll out yeah. of the, And then he like, takes a bite out of it and then chucks it over <laughs> his shoulder. <laughs> like, I remember that. thinking that was weird. But then, like, the comments he makes afterwards yeah. were like, you know, how long have you lived here? There's yeah. nothing on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like the funny thing is I feel like that was my process always as – yeah. As an actor, I never could stick to the script and I always would yeah. change my movements like every time, um, I, which hurts you sometimes when you're an actor because yeah, people I, do want it the other way. I, I welcome that from actors. Uh, you know, if you feel like you want to say something or something feels natural and you want to switch the line or you want to do something like take that chance, that's cool. And Ryan did a lot of that and a lot of it ended up in the movie and it was great. But That's wild. Was, Two days before... And you're like vibing and trusting, like talk about kismet, like that was and supposed his, to and happen. His first, you know? his first scene was with Anthony Michael Hall, dude. And, and he's <laughs> yeah. so he was hey, like bro. sweating bullets. Yeah, that's got to be like yeah. absolutely nuts. And if you know, I mean, I feel like knowing all the movies he'd be in, like I would just keep seeing him and thinking weird science, and just being like, this dude, I'm looking at you right now. Yeah, like, and yeah. it would be so odd. And I'll tell you right. what, Anthony Michael Hall, he was really good for that role as well. I oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Mike, Mike is super easygoing, you know. The one thing I really liked about him was that he was happy to be there. He was really inviting, wasn't very – he wasn't standoffish. He wasn't very like, well, I'm the actor and you're the young director. I know what I'm doing. I've been around, Anthony you know. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. I worked with John Hugh, you know. It, nothing like that at all. Very, very – um easy to get along with, uh, very nice. We go out of your way to, to have a conversation with you if he wasn't in a scene. You know, he wouldn't go back to his little separate area and hang out until he was ready to be on camera. He would actually hang out with you and like talk and stuff like that. So, uh, but that was, that was an interesting experience. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about Ryan was that um, he, 
he he once he got warmed up, okay. it was it was really really weird, and I could you could you could visually see it too because I had to he had he had to like get warmed up before he really dropped into to the zone, yeah. and that happened multiple times on set, and the and the, especially the one the one scene with him and Michael Hall where they're sitting in that the office and they're like yeah. uh, opposite of each other, and he's kind of like real relaxed, and he's talking very softly, and. The first take he did, he was like screaming, like being very combative, like leaning over, pointing and stuff. And I said, hey, I said, I want you to be so like, I want you to control this conversation without lifting your like uh, without lifting, without using any physical aggression. Like I want you if if if, if you're tied to the seat and you physically couldn't move, how would you be demeaning and be be controlling of this conversation? It, it's up to your voice. It's up to your eyes, you know, yeah. and I want you to do that. And he did a couple takes and then once he like got into the zone, you could just, it was almost was like a, a switch went off and like his eyes went dark and went blank. It was really creepy. Yeah. And then he, and then he was there, you know, thinking back on that scene, it's like, wow, that is pretty wild. But yeah. he did that. He did that a lot. It's He's, tough to get there. It is. Sometimes. Once, he, once he found it, it was, he yeah. dropped into the zone and he was there. No, there was times in the film where like he turned on like that. You could see like the evil switch, like the dead. Oh uh, yeah. Turned on where you knew he was being menacing and like, right. And, and a, one thing I was interesting too, and I mean, this is all part of the process of, of making movies. I mean, this is, this was right. so cool because, you know, two days before I'm panicking because we didn't have this actor. And now I'm thinking the movie's ruined because the most important character to me is not going to be there. And then this guy shows up that I never met before, doesn't have anything on his resume. And he just completely just murders the role. And uh, another thing that I, that I'm indebted to, to Ryan for is Ryan was able to bring the, 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 the other side to, to the character because the way the script was written, he was just dark and he was just mean. He was just evil. And a lot of people were like, there's nothing really likable about this guy. Cause he's just always pessimistic. He's always saying negative things. He's not really likable, but then Ryan shows up and he brings that sarcastic and that like you, you find yourself thinking like, Oh, I could hang out with this guy. Right. And then, and then he flip flops and you go, Whoa, I wouldn't want anything to do with this guy. And well, was it a choice consciously to have him have like a friend group? Say that again. So, like, I felt like in the be- like in the beginning, right? He's got the friend group, like it's his boys, and like he's got a crew. To me, someone like that normally wouldn't have a crew. So, like in my head, like now that you say that, like that made me like him more. I'm like, that could be anybody's. Like, you know, oh, that's my buddy Jim. Like he's in our group, you know? Yeah. Because like most of the time, a character that's going to go rogue like that, like wouldn't have a whole like crew that he runs with, but. I feel like that humanized them a lot in the beginning for me, at least. Yeah, and and he, uh, Ryan just brought that um, that he wasn't a two dimensional character that right. he was in the script, and and Ryan got crazy with it. He got he got out of control and he kind of lost himself in a good way. Yeah, because he he would say he would go back to his hotel room after shooting on on days, and he would like he was that guy, you know. Right. You put the way he changed his voice, yeah. like he would talk like that all the time and stuff. He, he got really into it, so it was cool. Did you put them up at the Holiday Inn? Yep, yep. They all are the Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah. Where we shot, there was one restaurant, one hotel. Oh yeah, especially the red carpet in. Yeah. There's God. a mil- there's a cow farm, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a few of those. Two miles down the road, there's Amish country, horse and buggies. It's pretty wild. Them. It's pretty wild though, because like you know, he ended up being the main role, main actor in Simple Things, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I reused him as the lead in Simple Things. So at what because, point did you have that conversation with him where you're like, dude, you like we, the film was dead. <laughs> you saved it. 
he knows this now. Yeah. But, but in the beginning, but because he did ask me that question the night I talked to him on the phone, because I, I called him the day before shooting. Right. And he asked me that question, like, oh, hey, how did you get a hold of me? You know, what made you reach out? This and that. And of course, you can't say, well, we had nobody else and you were our last resort. <laughs> like, you can't, can't tell that to somebody. So I, I oh. you know, I danced around the bush a little bit and spiced it up. But, uh, and then eventually he found out the truth of how he got it. But then, but, but it's, but you can't be upset about it because it's like you were his chance. You showed up out of nowhere right. last second, but you were literally probably the greatest thing about this movie. I mean, he could huh. act the rest of his life. Right. So yeah. there's not that. Yeah. Yeah. Had he done work. any acting prior, like big time? Not, no, he was, he had, he had a, he had a couple small, I wouldn't even say supporting roles, but a couple random character roles in some independent yeah. movies. Okay. But, but, or had a couple cameos in some Hallmark films and stuff like that, but nothing that he could really dig his teeth into, you know? Yeah. No, it makes sense. So yeah. take us behind the scenes on what you're working on now. What's coming yeah, up? Yeah, he's like all jazzed. What are you doing? She's like, how he's got all these movies. What's coming next? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, the th- things have changed so, so drastically since I made Simple Things in terms of just the film industry. Right. In, 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 the, in the, the realm of dis- distri- distribution and and what what what's the objective here like are, are you making a movie because it's going straight to a streaming platform are you making a movie because you're looking to, to actually make money off of it uh so when i made when i made natural selection that was still kind of during the time of oh you can make a movie for a decent amount of money and there's going to be a lot of options for people to want to buy buy it and get it out there and get dvd deals and stuff like that but now it's like everything's almost all streaming it's unfortunate from the COVID and stuff, but a lot of theaters are shutting down. So yeah. most of the Hollywood movies go straight to, you know, HBO or Netflix. And I think you still have to pay an extra fee to watch it, but yeah, yeah. The, 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 the theater trying to get your film in a theatrical release now is almost not even, it's not even a thing anymore, especially if you're an independent filmmaker. Uh, so that kind of has gotten me thinking about, you know, what's my next feature film going to be? I mean, I have ideas and I've, I've had, I have some scripts and stuff, but it, you kind of have to do it smart now. Either you make it really inexpensively and you make the movie that you want, or you have to kind of make the film, you know, of the most popular genre that'll get the most uh, right traction or you can market it the most. Because I, I have avenues for distribution. I, my, my distributor from Natural Selection, he, he I, I know if I made another feature, he would be able to, to distribute it, but he only does certain genres and right. he only distributes a certain way. So I feel like the first thing I got to think about is, you know, how, what do I, what do I want out of this movie? So what I'm trying to do now is I'm, I'm making a, like a, 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 a thriller horror okay. and doing it for, for, for kind of, in, you know, as, as inexpensively as I can, as I can make it for utilizing, you know, my connections and my, my, the crew people, crew members that I've worked with before and kind of surrounding myself with people that are really into the art of filmmaking and really are into the art of wanting to just make movies like, you know, like, like I am. So I feel like if you can surround yourself with people that are, that love the art, then you can, you can get more favors out of people and you can get people to want to work for a little bit cheaper instead of getting somebody that just wants to show up for a paycheck, because that's not really, you know, that's really not the way to hey, you're do doing it. it out of passion. Right. For sure. Right. So and by the way, one of my favorite movie theaters is down near you in Boca Raton where you can actually like get drinks. I mean, that was like such a foreign concept to us in PA years ago where you could watch a movie and, and have like, right. you know, a glass of wine, like movie taverns, right? Where you can eat. Now that now, yeah, they now do, we but, have them, but 
But years ago, I used to be like fascinated by that. And there's one probably 10 miles down, 95 from you. <laughs> it was weird the first time I went. She's like, yeah, there's this movie theater. You can get beers. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that sounds awesome. You have well, weight service. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, it's crazy. Nowadays, compared to when you did make your first film, uh, you know, with everything changing, you can fill, you can create your film in a certain way that you know you can market it better in this. Well, in that's this. what I was going to ask him next, Chef. Like, is it making a film, making a film for yourself and then making a film to get sold sounds like two different things, but Absolutely. are they made, are they made in different ways too? Like if you're looking to make a film, is there a certain type of integrity when it's being, you know, broadcasted on a large stage in a theater compared to a streaming? And like, is there a differentiation there between how like you go about filming certain scenes and aspects of it? Uh, the, it doesn't matter how you make the, I mean, if you make the, you make the movie, you just, you make the movie. It doesn't matter if it's just going to live on streaming, if it's just going okay. to have So like, I don't really construct movies or pl go into planning a film based off of where the end game is, but that you can take in consideration, right. you know, how much money you're going to spend on it. I mean, that'll, that'll determine, uh, that could be a, a deciding factor depending on where the, the final product's going to, going to be. But, uh, but it but doesn't yeah. change the, the, it doesn't change the way you would go about producing it, whether you're going to go to stream only or you're going to release the theaters. No. Okay. I mean, every, every film that I make, we shoot on cameras that have super high resolutions anyway. So right. like, uh, like natural selection, we shot it at, I think we shot it at 4k, but mastered it at 2k. And okay. I've seen that and I've seen that and I, and then it was burned on a Blu-ray and I've seen that thing blown up on the biggest screens I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it, it looks beautiful. So it's crazy almost now. The 4K. What were we watching the other day? I, oh, Peacock, right? That's like the yeah. new NBC out now. NBC one, yeah. But I, I don't think in you know in Netflix and most of the apps they don't always broadcast in 4K. But like I could tell as soon as I flipped on Peacock and like put something on, it was. I said to Abby, I was like, "That's the clearest I've ever seen anything look." And that they're like the newest content stream. So I feel like it's like noticeable. But then, you know, I think about back in the day looking at it on like a bubble TV in my parents' basement. Yeah. It's like so weird to see something that you watch then and then crystal clear now, like reproduced out in 4K. I remember like, when Blu-ray first came out and watching yeah. a lot of movies that I remember watching Braveheart for the first time on Blu-ray and being completely blown away by how clear it was. Yeah, how it was it amazing. Feel? It was amazing. And then watch it. I watched the matrix. I remember I bought the matrix on Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray was a big deal. Yeah. DVDs give me such fucking, uh, tugs on my, we had the same experience though. When, when we went from VHS to DVD, when uh, DVD yeah. came out, we looked at it and we were like, Whoa, this is amazing. I can't believe VHS even existed. Ever. If I was a Hollywood, if I was a Hollywood director, I would be so pissed to know that for so <laughs> long, my films couldn't be shown at their full glory. Right. right. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen this, but I highly recommend you do. But I don't know. Maybe, probably around the time I made Natural Selection, they remastered Jaws. They literally okay. went. Into the, they literally went into the vault in Hollywood. They pulled out all the reels from the original thing, and they scanned every frame into a computer, and they removed the dust and they cleaned up the every every frame. Wow. And then they remastered it on Blu-ray, and it is. I remember watching that. It is beautiful. Wow. And just to think that Spielberg, for so long, for decades, saw fuzzy. I didn't see his movie. I mean, besides going to a, a actual theater, but knowing right. that, but knowing that that that's what it 
always looked like, but for 30 years it had to live on a VHS tape and look. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know you hate Star Wars, but like, think about his, those first yeah. three films. Like, right. they could have been, you know, if if done right. And even um, you know, during the Christmas season, you know, these these movies are like really stupid. But the old like the old like snowman movies and stuff, they remastered all those, and it's like how. Do the, you know, it's unbelievable. Claymations, right? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. But like how they used to look and how they look now, it's wild. And then, and what, what was it? there's another, um, when Blu ray came out, there was another version that came out at the same time and like Blu ray won and it went away. I, I don't that was HD DVD. HD DVD. Uh, really? Yeah. You don't remember that? It was red. It was red. Yeah, it was red, red one. And HD they, DVD versus Blu ray. I think Blu-ray HD DVD was, was Panasonic. I think it was Panasonic. Okay. Yeah, and Blu-ray and they, won they, out. And then and then Blu-ray won won the battle. Sony? Is that and Sony? Then they, then they won. Yeah, Sony's Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. And they won. Uh. Yeah. Then they went down. Wow. And 3D movies, you know, they've they've been popular the last couple of years. Like My people f- like you know, dude, Jurassic Avatar, Park when I saw and 3D. Avatar 3D. I yeah. shit yeah. my. I shit myself. Avatar was yeah. pretty nuts. Yeah. When the stuff but was that, like that experience from the in sky. a theater with like. Yeah, and the surround sound and all of that is like IMAX cool. 3D, right? They, they always yeah, said yeah, they yeah. Would, uh, blow up, but it, it's kind of it was kind of like a nice fad. I feel like somewhat yeah. nauseating at times. Oh, yeah. no question. Yes, like it could ruin a lot of films too. Like as cool as it could look, oh, yeah, it could also be like this film sucks now because no, it's good to see the film in its original format and then watch it in 3D for yeah. sure. For sure. But like, it, but I always thought about 3D. If it's not flying at you, sometimes it does, but normally regular 3D movies, it's just there's some depth, and that's right, uh, right. Like they make your seat rumble. <laughs> yeah, at Disney World, there's that. I don't, Chef, I don't know if it's still there. Terminator T2 3D. Uh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it when I was. Now that, that, now that stuff's flying in your face with that, where you're literally jumping out of your seat. So that's the kind of 3D I, I would be into. But, but yeah, I like how they have it at home now. Yeah. So Dude, it's probably not even as cool. Probably if it no. wasn't super cool in theaters, it's definitely not that cool. No. <laughs> at your house, at your house, like please wear these well, 3D glasses. I remember they couch. were gonna, they were talking about how like X Games was going to do it, and like they were going to bring it into like sporting sports and stuff. And it was always like, no, it's not. Yeah. Let's just. Let's it was so expensive it. too. So yeah. expensive. oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. IMAX 3D nowadays. I don't even know how what, what it would cost, especially in LA, because I I used to live in LA for a couple of years and a regular film movie ticket was $18 just for a regular movie. Yeah. Right. So if you did, if you did IMAX 3d, forget it. I'm talking about 30, 30 something bucks for a Probably. ticket. Ridiculous. Jesus. Plus not, not popcorn. Yeah. Abby's yeah. addicted to movie yeah. theater popcorn. Now, so real quick uh, to get back to your question. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm working, I have a couple ideas for a feature film that I'm looking to do. Um, and then I, I really want to do another short film, but, yeah. I've heard, I've, seen, I've been much. watching some short films lately, I feel like, and there's like a spot for it too in the festival world. Um, yeah, festival, and, and also, yeah. I actually just, I did actually get distribution for Simple Things recently on an international streaming platform, it's called Shorts TV. Oh, nice. Okay, and, and, cool. Uh, I kind of put it off for a while because when you, when you get distribution, you have, to, you have to give them a deliverable list, and it's really extensive. You need, they need, it's not just like, oh, just send them the movie. You need the cue sheets. You need uh, the, the sheets that tell you what music is in the movie. When does it start? When does it end? You have to give them a, a verbatim dialogue script. Of wow. All the, all the dialogue that's in the movie, word for word. You got to give them uh, all the different f- uh, separate uh, audio files, the, the film itself, 
uh, press package, all these, and it takes, it's so time consuming. So I kind of put it off for a while, but I finally got around to do it. So I'm not sure exactly when it's actually going to be streaming live, but I did actually get that taken care of, which is pretty cool because I didn't have any intention of distri distributing simple things. I just did it for me, but now right. it's cool that I did a short film and I'm actually going to have it on a streaming platform. And you know, I did, they didn't pay me a lot of money, but I got paid, paid for it too, for them to stream. Wow. It. So I guess in, in a sense, it's, it's a, Success, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That being said, if you have like 15 minutes or whatever it is, I highly recommend going to watch it because it's. Uh, yeah. It's. I mean, really I'll be watching really, it. I'll yeah. be watching it's it right a, after I get off. It's, it's a quick watch. Doesn't take a lot of your time, and I'm extremely proud of it. And I, I, I you, think you'll enjoy it too. You know, you know what I would love to see you try to to try to work on, Chad, uh, and I think you should write it. Is something with dry humor, like some kind of comedy with like really dry humor. So. Uh, you would touch on that. Love to see something. It's kind of funny you brought that up because I, I don't, I hate, to, I don't like talking about myself. But a lot of people tell me that I should write a comedy because just how I am and some of the stuff that I say is just. Yeah, I, I do have some dry humor, and I don't do think that. I'm funny. But a lot of people are like, "Too Chad, you should write some of the stuff." That, but so to to go to go and transition to that, I'm actually working on an animated. Oh, cool! Yes. That has a lot of that dry love humor. Love that. So. In a nutshell, you're probably going to be like, this is stupid. But I think that's what makes it kind of funny. So it's, it's about a pessimistic screenwriter who suffers from a severe case of writer's block. And he only can alleviate it by indulging in wreaking havoc in the town that he lives with a diabolical genius that so happens to be a talking French bulldog. So, <laughs> so... That's a mouthful. <laughs> that's a mouthful, but we love French bulldogs. And I find yeah, I love hilarious. French bulldogs, too. They're hilarious. And so I wrote, I wrote the pilot and it's just like, just, you know, witty, dry, back and forth banter. It's an, it's adult comedy, like animated show, but there's plenty of that out. You know? uh, yeah. It's getting hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah. So, and I've been, so I've, and I've actually just completed a lot of the, the drawings and coloring. Oh, cool. I haven't actually done the, the animation for it, but I have all the concept art and the pilot for it. it's 24 pages. So it's normally awesome. What, what, yeah. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a new, new out, a new avenue outlet I've been working with. Yeah, to do, a, to do an animated thing, but that's another thing that I'm working on. So what's what's probably going to happen is I'm going to have to um, once I get the the anime the the show bible put together, which basically just has the concept art, the the synopsis, the plot, the character descriptions, and maybe some uh, overviews of some of the future episodes. I might have to produce a couple minute scene from from the pilot and then chop it around, and see what happens. But there's so many there's so many avenues that we can use for free, like YouTube and other right. things online, to maybe, no. maybe get some traction going and maybe just start putting it on on there, make a YouTube channel for it. So that's another thing when you go into making a film or a project is you kind of have to figure out where is it going to live. I'm just throwing this out there, Chad. But if you need a voice for the bulldog, Carl. <laughs> I don't think I sound like a bulldog. Actually, now that I'm looking at myself and hearing myself i feel like i could be a bulldog but i think i'm gonna do it I would, I, would just, I would just put that in the back of your brain if it, if you ever you ever oh, like, but but chad I, I appreciate you coming on the pod dude i think i could talk to you for like another five or six hours yeah um, I, I, and i, I really, think you should come back maybe sometime i would love to hear more and maybe after like the next project come back yeah um yeah no problem uh, i really appreciate you asking me to come on it's really cool because I, I know Chef's been doing this for a little while, and 
I've always been nagging on telling them when I'm going to get on the podcast. So on, <laughs> like you need to be on it, but you know. But now it's I can, I'm happy you're about, on now in season two because we're like like you said we're getting better and better like every episode. For so sure. I'm happy you're on when we're like on our game and we've like yeah. got our situation squared yeah, up. Season one was awesome, but season two, I mean, maybe we're it's been a little fire. I, it's been pretty fire. It's been exciting. <laughs> But I want to do, we've been doing small business shout outs at the end, you know, just because of what's going on, obviously. And me and Chef and Abby, and I think a lot of the people that come on are like this, just, uh, you know, people working hard, doing, doing their thing. So we like to try to shout out some small businesses before we kind of wrap it up. I'm going to use uh, Boathouse as mine this week. It's uh, my favorite bar, favorite bar in town. Yeah. Um, they shout just out. got a big shout out nationally. Um, you know, they're, they're using the Barstool Fund, which is kind of cool. Um, me and Abby met there for the first time. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. If you can get some wings on Wednesday night, uh, in your local wing it Wednesday, go ahead and do it. Since you were traveling to Florida, chef, I want to hear, you know, there were some spots you hit up down there. I know you were talking and telling us. Well, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking Florida, maybe St. Augustine, but I do want to shout out another local conchi spot, Delhi on fourth. Uh, they just opened up the shack in the back. Smoothies. So I don't even know what it really is. I think it's like smoothies and maybe, is that it? Yeah, fruit bowls, bowls. coffee. Abby, tell them exactly what it is. You've been waiting for a shack in the back to open for like It's it's exactly (laughs) that. It's smoothies and fruit bowls and coffee. Sounds great. Yeah. And isn't it, is it the owner's, is it the daughter from the Italian restaurant, right? No, I don't know her name. She um, she took it over a few years ago. Okay. uh, From Lenny, you know, R.I.P. Lenny. Uh, not Lenny. What was it? Is it Lenny? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Lenny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Lenny. Uh, no, Donnie Mac. Ford. Sorry. Donnie, Donnie Mac. Donnie. You're right. You're right. Yeah, R.I.P. Donnie Mac. But uh, she took uh, Now I need – I, I almost want to give Chad's a sandbar, but I feel like I got to hear what – Oh, yeah. Chad, what is, is it? There, is there any takeouts or anywhere down in Florida you guys are – So the, the first thing I would say, uh, there's a place called Deli with – no. It's called Bagels with Deli. Okay. Ooh, I love bagels. Bagels with Deli. It's – this small business, I mean, you can get anything there. The food is great. I always go and get the bacon, egg, and cheese on an Asiago uh, bagel. But it's always packed. They always have great food. And it's a small little little joint. And they're only open until 3.30 every day. But it's <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I'm obsessed. I've been going all the time. I feel like that gives, me deli. A, that gives me a reason to shout out the bagel, Abby. Yeah, the bagel. <laughs> where? What town is that in Florida where the bagel is? Pompano. Pompano. Abby's grandmom, RIP, we love her, Mammy, used to live in Florida, in Pompano, and there's this place around there, and it's called The Bagel. And it's the basically bagel. like the most Jewish sit-down diner. Right. Abby's yeah. Jewish. The most Jewish sit-down diner you could ever go to in your life. And it's like, Abby literally can walk up and say like, oh, my grandmom, like, blah, blah, blah. oh, this, and like everybody will remember the people that go there. No, but the average age in that place is like 85. When we're there. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but where is that? Where was uh where is that located? So that's uh right in Delray, Delray Beach. Okay. So, I mean I right can on the strip. Oh Timmy one second real quick. I love the Steelers bar in Delray. Steelers bar, oh god. Yeah, I'm not in yeah. Steelers. I was gonna say Chad definitely does not know where that's at. <laughs> no, he does because it's like right on the main strip. It's and pretty it's, blatant, yeah. If you walk up downtown it's pretty Delray. rowdy. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not my thing. I still think Chad probably just went right over the head. What, the Steelers? You said, what, Steelers Bowl or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, right on that main strip. Yeah, so the Bagels with Deli, it's 
right off it's right on federal highway delray beach so 1732 okay. south federal highway it's amazing check it out if you're ever yeah. in delray there you go yeah, nice carl the oyster place is racks fish house there you go racks in delray racks i hope i hope you're doing well and i wish i was eating your oysters uh good stuff though chad yeah what a but, wild background a lot of talent respect for everything you do thank you I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I could talk about it forever with yeah, you. I, I'll be more than happy to continue this conversation. Cause do you, you know, dabble in any like corporate work, like TV commercials or anything? Yeah. A couple clients that I have down here, I do that, those kinds of things. I, I produce a lot of video content for uh, not so much going on right now because it's, there's no cruising, but I, I work for a cruise company that okay. produced that they publish Porthole cruise magazine, which is the number one cruise magazine in the country. So uh, before COVID hit and whatnot, I've been doing a lot of stuff for them. But things are really taking off, right? For you? Wasn't that really? Yeah, things, off, yeah right? things are great. Things are rocking and rolling. And then COVID hit and everything came to a halt. But then, you know, that's kind of how the cruise world. The cruise world's like its own whole other thing. Biz. Uh, so my best buddy just got married, and his in-laws, they're like way into the cruises. Like it's like their jam. Like they always it, go on it's cruises. Way of life, almost. You know. It's yeah. Cool. People What's love. the thing they do? They hide like eggs or something, Bear? There was like a. I've never been on this. So somebody, they have like this game where like people that go on the same cruises in the boats, they'll hide like these little keepsakes on the cruise boat. And they go like, find them? Right. And then you got to go find it and like take wow. a picture with it. And it's like, oh man, they, they found the purple egg. Who's going <laughs> to find it next year? Is it going to be the Johnsons? Or like, the, it's like, and my buddy was like, it was actually kind of funny. He's like, I really wanted to find the egg. And tell like Mrs. Whatever to like go fuck herself, you know? Because I got the egg. I'm the champion. <laughs> Cruise trip. He didn't party. find the egg. I think he did, didn't he? I think he took a picture. Did he? Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, dude. I it's awesome. The movie was good. I I watch enjoyed, my short film. I know. I want to watch that now, and I enjoy watching the other. I don't. I don't want to be. I mean, like I said, I'm very proud of Natural Selection, but I, I don't me, want to be judged made, by yeah. that anymore. Like it was watch more the whole Yeah. I feel like. Oh. I feel like you'll be, you'll be able to, to. I hope you'll be able to see um, my, some improvement. In it my, was really, my, really wild. Like the, uh, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. So just go yeah, watch. Don't, it. Let me watch. Like it, knowing so. you and then going to watch it. I think. Oh what yeah, like, that's what it was like for me. So I went and saw you know yeah. your, your opening day in Reading. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. So jumps. I I really appreciate the support. Absolutely. I mean, I know there's plenty of people that I've known longer than Shelf that never showed up to any of mine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Josh and I showed up. I mean, Josh. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. That Talk about bullied. Um, when you were younger, I think Josh was a bigger bully, bully to you than Josh Blake. was. A, okay. So real quick story. So this, <laughs> since you've seen Natural Selection, you'll you'll understand. So there's a scene in the movie which we were supposed to shoot a certain way, but it was raining and we couldn't do it, so we had to shoot it inside. There's a scene in the movie where injured and uh, where Mason and Ryan are walking into school and it's the night after the party where Ryan throws the guy over the side of the railing. Yep. And they walk into school and the, the Matt character comes around the corner and he grabs him and he throws him in the wall and he, he punches him in the gut and he throws him on the ground and puts him in a chokehold. And then he looks up and he sees his sister just staring at him and he, she just like brushes him off, whatever. That literally was inspired by an actual thing that happened to me. Because uh, you don't, do you know Josh Peterson or no? I don't think he, I don't think they do. Okay. So there's this guy named Josh Peterson that, uh, it was same grade as Shelf and my brother, whatnot. Might, yeah. and you want to talk about, you want to talk about like a, a best friend for sure. A bully. Exactly. I mean, this guy used to get in fights all the time. He used to talk shit. We used talk to fight shit. all the time. Josh and yeah. I would fight all the time. Yeah. 
just love to stir stir shit up everywhere parties in school whatever and anyway he and i when we first met i mean we did not get along it could have been it could have been the first or second time i ever met him was this the movie anyway i was a i was a hothead i talked a lot of shit in high school so a lot of times i got pushed around and like you know like uh, roughed up i definitely deserved it but we went to we were at a movie theater one time at the downtown movie theater with regal cinemas and for some reason, this is when my brother and I were buttonheads. We weren't getting along. And I'm in the backseat of my brother's car. And we're all like huddled in the back of the parking lot. And I forget what, we were, what I was pissed off about. Like, I got, I don't know. Anyway, like, there were, tensions were high. And Peterson was like talking shit, like outside the car. And I said something smart to him. Like, why don't you shut up? Because I think I was talking to Blake and Peterson was like, whatever. And this guy grabs me by my feet. He rips me out of the car. He throws me on the ground and he like puts me in this chokehold. I thought I like I thought my head was gonna like pop off. I'll never. And I remember it. looking up and Blake's just standing there and he's like just smirking at me. Like I fucking told you not to talk back to people, you asshole. I mean, you want to talk about like that. I was right around the corner, like yeah, the ultimate betrayal, like the, that feeling. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, so that was that was inspired. So that that that, that was an inspiration. I think we ended up over at your cousin's house drinking after that. Yeah, but, but now but now Peterson. I mean, after that, like. Peterson and I were good friends, but... Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, he messed with you for quite some... And then you guys. Yeah, for sure. But he was the same kind of way. I mean, he did mess with some people because it was fun. But then he messed with other people because he, like, cared about them and wanted to, like, toughen them up. Yeah. Everybody, everybody grew up and now we're all mature and we're all, uh, we're all buddies. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, once right, again, th- thank you for thank you for having me on. Uh, love to come back. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. We'll keep in touch and... We made it to the end of another episode of the Be Easy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this session as much as we did. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your friends so we can get the Be Easy message out to the world. If you're on Instagram or Facebook, check us out there. And as always, please leave us a review. If you're interested in joining the show, shoot us a DM or email us at beeasypod at gmail.com. Until we meet again, let the good vibes flow and be easy.